Welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. We're dispensing stories of success from across the continuum of care. I'm your host, Hillary Blackburn. Thanks for joining us to learn from leaders throughout the pharmacy industry. Hey listeners, in today's episode, we'll be talking more about the modern era of compounding with guest Peter Koshland. And if you're attending APHA annual, please reach out on LinkedIn and would love to see you there. So uh, looking forward to getting back to conference season. Hope you enjoy. All right. So today we have a special guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Our guest, Peter Koshlin, uh, opened his compounding pharmacy, Koshlin Farm, in 2009 in San Francisco. And he works with doctors and patients on individualized integrative therapies that make a difference in the quality of patients' day-to-day lives. Peter's seen the profound impact high-quality compounded medicine can have, so producing the absolute best patient outcomes is what drives his decisions as CEO of Koshland Farm. When he's not in the pharmacy, Peter spends his time consulting with and educating doctors about the multiple applications of compounded medicine in their respective fields. Peter, welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Thank you, Hillary. It's great to be here and great to talk to a fellow pharmacist. Well, thanks for joining us. And now that uh, we've shared a little bit about your background, maybe you can fill in any gaps from that intro or share a little bit about your personal life. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I'm a graduate of uh, UCSF School of Pharmacy and uh, did not discover compounding until five or six years into my career. I actually have done a few podcasts and I've had, I've reflected on my career a little bit more lately than I have in the past. And uh, I remember when I was applying to pharmacy school, my, my backup plan was to go to art school, actually. I was really into art and, and painting and creative stuff like that. And I... <laughs> A very two different paths, I guess. Good thing I got into pharmacy school because, yeah, who knows what what would have happened to me. But it's interesting because when I discovered compounding about six years into my career, it kind of brought in a creative element to pharmacy that I really, really connected with. And uh, as a lot of people, I I went to medicine to help people, to help people, you know, be well and be healthy and all that stuff. And I just felt like not only did it allow me to be creative in my application of pharmacy, but really focus on patient outcomes and optimizing outcomes and really getting a, having a close relationship with the patient in kind of a, in a retail setting, which is becoming harder and harder to do, I think, for our profession, unfortunately. So it's kind of a, a rare and blessed opportunity to kind of still have that close, ongoing, uh, long-term relationship with patients and kind of really find the best possible solution for them. Yeah, well, you're kind of able to bring in a little bit of your art passion into, you know, the world of pharmacy through compounding because, you know, you're kind of mixing things and creating and, um, yeah, so a little bit of that, but that's interesting. And so, Peter, you um, are based out of uh, San Francisco, so, you know, California uh, area. Um, and so, so tell us a little bit about, you know, what does compounding look like at your pharmacy? What are some of, you know, is that, is that the primary, you know, do you only do compounding? What percentage of the business is it? And, 
you know, what are the, the primary patients that are coming in um, needing compounded medications? Yeah, it's, we're 100% compounding and wow. compounding has really kind of moved into the modern era. I had no exposure to what compounding is as it looks like now that what I'm doing now when I was in pharmacy school. In fact, when I was in pharmacy school, compounding was so antiquated that I, it was kind of a joke. I and mean, we were making tooth powder and individualized suppositories that were hand wrapping. It just, it was like, almost like doing it to look at like the history of, comp, of, of pharmacy, not to like look at the future of pharmacy. And it wasn't until I did additional trainings and I saw how compounding had really adopted a very sophisticated approach to customized medications using uh, sophisticated equipment and other things to, you know, really make this something that was going to address people's needs in, you know, the, the new millennium, you know, at the time. And, uh, and that's really kind of really also resonated with me. The patients we see are oftentimes patients who have kind of run out of options at their regular retail pharmacy. I, we, we always say that we, we don't, we're not here to replace what, a Walgreens or a CVS has. We're just here to augment for patients who need something that is in and around the commercially available options. And it's not everybody, obviously, but there's a fair number of patients who really need something really customized to whatever their condition is. And it runs the gamut. I mean, it, it, there's some stuff that we do that's kind of the top line stuff, but I always say there isn't a practitioner alive who can't benefit from knowing a good high quality compounder because we've got something for almost everybody that helps with certain patient conditions across lots and lots of practice types. Hmm. Interesting. Um, <clears throat> and so I guess, are you mostly cash pay or insurance or, or what does that kind of look like? Yeah, we're, we're 100% cash pay now. I took insurance for, a number of years, really hoping that the insurance industry would start to see the value in compounding. And we've made the case to the insurance companies that, you know, if we get patients on a really good therapy that they're really responding to, we'll prevent hospitalizations, we'll prevent, you know, lots more doctor visits, et cetera, and end up saving the money in the long run. But that conversation always kind of fell flat. <laughs> and ultimately, the insurance companies really never got on board with compounding and paying for compounds. So at a certain point, we decided that it just wasn't in our best interest to spend so much time worrying about insurance coverage when it was almost always denied for what we do. Mm -hmm. And this really focused on making the prescriptions affordable as a cash pay business. And so I think in the last 18 months, we've been cash pay only. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, now, tell us, you know, why are patients not able to get um, personalized, med you know, cause, okay, we've got all of these pharmaceutical companies making drugs. How does that kind of differentiate with, with what you all are able to do and provide? Yeah. It's, it's, it's just so different than the commercial commercialization of drugs, right? Like if, if a drug is FDA approved, then it has to go through a bunch of clinical trials. It's really looking at kind of population based medicine. And that has a huge role because there's lots of conditions that people have in common. It allows us to develop protocols for different conditions. But at the end of the day, individual health is very precise and specific to that individual. And so I think that's kind of what we kind of come in where we have a direct relationship with the patient 
we know what they've tried, we know what they need. We've actually also have a direct relationship with a doctor oftentimes or in consultation with them. And we can really tailor something to that specific need. Whereas the commercial stuff is really more broad-based. It's studying across large populations and you know, in clinical trials that have inclusion and exclusion criteria. So it's just very different. This is very boutique. This is very individualized. You know, people's health, as you well know, it can be very complicated. I mean, people have multiple conditions. They have, obviously, genetic predispositions to things. And so there's just a case for, in certain patients, really need something that just is just more focused and tailored to their specific condition. Um, and so there are a little bit of, you know, biases against um, compounding pharmacies. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. I'm, I'm sorry, Hillary, your audio dropped out. I didn't catch. Oh, um, and, you know, so, Peter, we are hearing there's often a little bit of, you know, bias potentially about compounding pharmacies or that the, you know, pharmaceutical industry um, isn't, you know, obviously in favor of that. How, what are some of the regulatory challenges that you guys are facing? Well, we have a huge number of regulatory challenges. I mean, it comes, it comes from all angles. I mean, our, our boards of pharmacy, the FDA, kind of just practitioner impressions about what we do based on ideas that they've been given about what compounding is from probably the pharmaceutical industry. What's interesting to me is that it's, we really, you'll never meet a group of pharmacists who are more dedicated to the health and well-being of their patients than the compounders. I mean, it's it, the passion level and the the focus on patient care is just off the charts. It's really inspiring to see this group of pharmacists and, and what gets them up in the morning to kind of continue to run their pharmacies despite all these headwinds on the regulatory front. Uh, yet on the other side of the coin, we have the regulators who really just don't understand what we do. I think the pharmaceutical industry thinks we get a free pass because we don't have to go through the FDA approval process. I think the, um, they also see us as competition, so and we're small, so it's easy to kind of you know use their massive marketing outreach to kind of create an impression of compounders that's uh, negative. The regulators, I don't think, really understand this because I don't think a lot of the times they're actually patient-facing. I mean, they don't really see the, the issues that we see when we actually talk to patients and see what they need and see what they respond to and, and get the response that we need. And it doesn't fit into an easily defined category. And I think that really bothers the regulators who want to, you know, want to put everything in the box and check the box off. It would just, you know, to be honest, it'd be nice if we could get everyone, you know, well and healthy with just a checkbox, but ultimately it just doesn't work like that. So it's interesting. I mean, I think there's a lot of also uh, patient interest in what we do right now. There's just a movement towards personalized medicine. There's a definite skepticism of the profit motives of the pharmaceutical industry. And people are looking for us for other answers because they're just not feeling well and they want to see what else is available to them. And that's something that we offer. So there's kind of these opposed uh, forces. You know, there's this, this passionate pharmacist base who's really showing up for their patients. There's a patient base who's really wanting some alternatives. And then there's the kind of regulatory structure and the pharmaceutical industry that's really trying to like say, this is not legitimate. At the end of the day, I think we have a role to play for sure in patient care. We're never going to be the dominant player, but we have this role that exists 
for these patients who need these special needs. And um, at the end of the day, we get great outcomes with them because we have a relationship with them. We know if they're getting well. Uh, we don't need a placebo-controlled uh, double-blind trial because we have the patient literally in front of us and we have the doctor relationship and we can do the labs or whatever we need to do to know that they're getting safe, appropriate care. And ultimately, that's what the application of medicine is supposed to be, right? So we're really trying to, to, to live with that. And then also address all the concerns that people have about compounding, whether it's done in a quality, high quality way, make, making sure it's done ethically, all that stuff's very important. And we definitely want to make sure that's part of what we do. I just want to make sure that, you know, people understand that, you know, we have a very important role to play for uh, a subset of patients that are out there that really would be suffering and be in a lot of trouble if compounding wasn't available to them. Yeah. Wow. Um, so Peter, um, tell us what you kind of think about the, the future of, of compounding, um, or are there any other things related to, you know, your practice or kind of like the future of pharmacy practice, um, that you want, you know, other pharmacists and, and I mean, it's, it's interesting. Uh, the, the future of compounding is, in flux right now, I would say. It's definitely kind of a bit of a pressure cooker because of these opposing forces that I mentioned. You know, for me, I think showing up every day for my patients, really trying to do things the right way with a high level of ethics and integrity and and really putting the patients at the center of what we do. I, I just believe that that is going to win the day because when you do the right thing, when you take care of your patients, there has to be a space for you to exist. And I, I just hope that the people who are opposing us find a pathway for us to exist inside of their frameworks so that we can all understand that we all kind of have the same mission and vision. One of the big issues that we're facing right now is just the hormone replacement world. Um, I don't know if we want to go into a deep dive on that. I know you've had uh, other guests who've spoken about that, but I mean, the, the FDA uh, uh, put together a expert panel to look at compounded hormones. This is a big part of what a lot of compounding pharmacies do. And there's a real need for customization in this area. Um, there's, there's certain drugs that are not available commercially. Uh, there's different dosage forms that people need that are not available commercially for this. And compounding pharmacists bring a lot of expertise to this area. Uh, but the, this FDA panel that they, that they commissioned uh, was very against compounding uh, hormones and in a way that was really not understanding, again, what we do and how it can be done safely and effectively, and also the value and importance that, importance that it has to patients themselves. And there was one very concerning statement in, in their report, which said something to the effect that there's too much uh, patients being involved in their care around their hormone therapy. And I thought, oh my goodness, doesn't this personify this top-down attitude about an expert coming in to tell a patient what they should or shouldn't do and not allowing the patient to have a say in their own health outcomes. And what we, we really want to get away from that. And so do patients. We want to be in partnership with our patients so that we can help them achieve their health outcomes as a partner with them, not as somebody who comes down from on high who knows what's best. We really don't really know what's best. The patient has to be involved in their care. And we really want to make sure that we do everything we can to protect that and maintain that for patients. Yeah. Wow. 
Well, I love hearing the passion that you have in your voice about it. Uh, that's great and um, really exciting to kind of hear um, people that have that that fire and passion for pharmacy and for patient care. Um, well, Peter, it has been great to, to connect. Um, let's see. One of my, my questions that I love to ask all of our guests is what is some advice that you would tell your younger self or for others out there who are just getting started in their career? Yeah, that's a good question. I think probably, I, I probably will be saying something that other people have said, but I really think the, the, well, a couple things. Pharmacy has unlimited potential in our world uh, in terms of where we can where, where we can go, um, in terms of how we can utilize our clinical skills. I think we're at a stage in our profession where a lot of times we have to kind of forge our own path to create those opportunities. Um, unfortunately, some of the retail opportunities are becoming more and more dismal, which is very sad because I, I do love retail pharmacy. Um, so, you know, I think it's just, it's being understanding where we can be as pharmacists in the healthcare space and really bring the value that we have as drug experts, I think is something that we as professionals really have to embrace and, and be willing to forge a path to create those new places where we make an impact. Um, for whatever reason, the, the, the system that exists doesn't put pharmacists in a place of high impact or as high of impact as it could be. And I think it's up to us as practitioners to really go out there and make our, our place, our, our, set, our, our presence known. Because once people start working with pharmacists, they love us. Because we have a, a skill and an expertise that is just doesn't exist in any other profession. And uh, we bring so much to the table. And, and it's, you know, there's a reason why we're highly respected and highly liked in the healthcare world. We bring a lot to the table. So to have a long answer to your short question, be, be willing to forge your path and make your impact as a pharmacist. There's a lot we can do and we should do out there for, for the sake of, of healthcare in general. Yeah, I love it. And I love, um, you know, how personal, you know, it really, compounding really does, uh, you know, epitomize or, you know, personalized medicine. Um, so that's, that's really neat. Um, so Peter, it was, uh, so great to have you as a guest on the talk to your pharmacist podcast. Thanks so much, Hillary. It's been great talking to you.